0: hello and welcome back to the By week podcast we just watched the divisional matchups and we're here to talk about them i'm blake shield joined by cole roberts and today we're going to talk about some game recaps we're going to go recap the texans ravens the packers niners the lions bucks and the chiefs bills then we're going to look forward to the afc and nfc championship games where we're going to predict the game against the ravens chiefs and the lions 49ers And to finish off the episode, we're going to talk about the controversial subject of what the Bears should do with the first overall pick. Okay, Cole, let's start with the Texans and the Ravens, the first game this weekend. Tell me about it.
1: So this game was one that I was expecting to be a lot closer. And quite frankly, I was expecting more out of the Texans. I, I don't think the Ravens were that insane during the game. I think Lamar had a great game. I think the team as a whole did well but the Texans were just disappointing. No offensive touchdowns. They got one field goal on offense That's their offense for the whole game. They had a punt return was their only touchdown. It was just CJ Stroud never seemed to get it going. He was at almost 50% completion rate, really disappointing. No touchdowns just, and then, you know, on a day when your quarterback can't get going, you need to make up for it with the run game and it, the run game couldn't get going. Devin Singletary only 22 yards. It was just, it seemed like the Texans couldn't get anything going. And so I think this is gonna bode well for the Ravens in their next game because to be quite frank, they dominated the game. Like they their defense did what they had to do. They just kept them away. Lamar had a hundred rushing yards. Like the team as a whole dominated the ground. They dominated the trenches on both sides. So it was never really this was, in my opinion, the worst of the divisional round games.
0: Um, yeah, I agree. I think it's as simple as the Texans offense was just unmatched for the Ravens defense. The Ravens defense has really shown they're probably the best in the league right now. And it showed against an offense, the Texans, that was was pretty good. It was a, really an exceptional offense. And, you know, I'll say, I mean, CJ's the future, but it just wasn't enough for this matchup. Yeah. I think the Texans really do need to invest in ground attack. You brought up the same thing. The yardage, the rushing yardage was 229 for the Ravens and 38. The Texans that that's not okay. CJ is the future. He's an amazing passer. He's amazing, amazing pocket presence. His accuracy is is off the charts. But if you want to have a good team, you need to be able to establish the run, and you can't be dropping thirty eight yards on the ground. So Singletary is just not enough for for this team. And I think it's important they invest in the ground because obviously it's not Damian Pierce anymore either. But but um, the Ravens, yeah, I mean, they they played amazing. I, I was hoping this game was would be a shootout, but they showed that their defense is just too competitive.
1: Yeah, and kind of piggybacking on what you were saying, though, is that I think the Texans can make the right moves. D'Amico Ryan's in his system. They clearly just run a different offense now. New offensive coordinators, new team, like just take everything away from the previous year. That's why Damian Pierce didn't do well in this offense. He's just he's 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 a ground and pound running back, and that's just not what they need. They they use more of an elusive receiving back, like mm-hmm. and that's why you know Devin Singletary ended up taking a lot of the touches this season was because he fits this offense better. But still, like in the draft, there's going to be a lot of good options. In free agency, there's going to be a lot of good options. But they need to go out and get an elite elusive back, an elite receiving back, not one that you just picked up like Devin Singletary.
0: And I agree. I think you find that in the draft for sure because then it's essentially really cheap for a running back because you know the running back market is already really low right now, and you can find a lot of those good elusive you know, uh, stocky running backs that can catch out of the backfield in the draft, and then all of a sudden your team is there because this team can compete. They're young, and they're feisty, and their offensive line is talented enough, and they're, at the end of the day it's a quarterback's game, and they have the guy at quarterback, so I'm excited for the future of the Texans. The Ravens were obviously the better team, but this Texans team has, has a lot to develop. The one thing I will say, which is interesting, is that this Texans offense, especially, has been so prolific that they're already probably gonna lose their old coordinator, which will be interesting. Bobby Slowick is like high up on a yeah. lot of coaching candidate boards. So and we've seen like, for example, the Eagles, once you lose those coordinators, it can dump your team in some cases. So I'm I'm curious to see how D'Amico and the GM avoid that situation in a and see who they get at OC next year, because I'm almost sure Sloak's going to oh, be gone.
1: Sloak's for sure gone. Yeah. No, he's going to make a good head coach. Shall we move on to the Packers versus the Niners?
0: Yeah, yeah, let's do it. All right, what did you think of the game, Blake? I thought this was the best game of the weekend. Actually, maybe the Bills Chiefs, but this was up there as one of the best games. The one thing I will say, just similar to what I talk about with Stroud, is that Jordan Love really is that guy. He showed that this guy can compete right now. There was a lot of questions, you know, Sitting on the bench for that many years, but what a second half of the season he had! If if he had that season the entire year, he could have been in the MVP conversation. And I'm serious. Saw some stat. It was like uh, the last nine games, something. Like, it was around like 28 touchdowns and one interception. Like some crazy stats. And also just shows that this Niners team is great, but it's it's beatable. It's it's not the end all be all. I think the Ravens is a much better team, to be honest. Oh yeah. I mean the Packers with all rookies, practically made the made the Niners' defense look like chumps three quarters of the game until the fourth quarter. Then the Packers were walking all over them. Uh, they took a kick return to the house, too. Or actually, not to the house, but like a 75-yard kick return. And, um, you know, it, it really sucks because the Packers could have came away with this game. I mean, Anders Carlson missing that field goal was the game, and then there was one mistake from Jordan Love. But other than that, I mean, how impressive – Was his Packers team this year? Honestly,
1: yeah. And we're gonna talk more about the 49ers and their performance when we're discussing like our predictions for the upcoming week. So I'd really like to just take this time to like even shout out like the Green Bay Packers' future looks really good. Not only Jordan Love though. Jordan Love's great, but I mean, look at the receiving core. Romeo Dubs is only a second-year receiver. Jaden Reed only a second-year receiver. Christian Watson is a second-year receiver. This team. Has so much potential on that offensive side of the ball. I mean, they are they're going to be really well off. I think that, like the Packers, have a very bright future ahead of them. I mean, they held this Niners offense to only twenty four points, which is below their season average. And they were able to put up over twenty points on probably the best defense in the NFL. I was, I was blown away by them in this game, and it's really unfortunate that it came down to an interception with the game on the line. But I mean, really, like the fact that they were in that position to win the game there, and it just slipped away from them—that was—that showed me a lot about the future of this Packers team.
0: I mean, I can't agree more. I mean, this was the Packers game until maybe what five minutes left in the game until oh, yeah. McCaffrey punched that in. Like the Packers were owning this team, and yeah, just like you said, just props to the to the the management position and the 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 guys who um what's the word uh. Scout the scouters on, on oh. the Packers. I mean, they did such a good job in the draft. I mean, like you said, all those rookies, and then you have the rookie tight ends too, Tucker Kraft and the second year, Luke Musgrave. Like, uh, yeah. what what a like what a job they did. And the, the defense is always solid on the Packers. I mean, you look at Jair and Devondre Campbell and Quay Walker and Rashawn Gary. I mean, those guys are always killing it, but but this offense to just excel this quickly is is so impressive. And this team's gonna be a real powerhouse in the NFC the next five or six years because they're going to have so many young guys they don't have to pay and they're going to keep killing it
1: yeah no this is this is a good i i know we're it seems like we're just totally like talking about how great the packers are on a game they lost but really that was the takeaway the 49ers didn't impress in this game they did not the packers did and that's funny we say that because it was a team that won and a team that lost but seriously that's just at least even from the eye test we can say that One team impressed, one team didn't.
0: I mean, you look at expectations: who matched it and who didn't. The Packers exceeded expectations, and even though the Niners won, they fell below their expectations. I feel, and just you think about the Packers team on when the season started and where they ended—it's like just so exceptional the turnaround and how they defied all the odds. Really, they just cannot have a bad quarterback Mm. ever. It's pretty funny. (laughs) And then Uh, the final note I had on this game was just how impressive Lafleur is as a coach. He really, he really made this team that drafted well, but still on paper, it's, it's not, it's not an amazing roster look like a team that I thought if they beat this Niners, they could have made a run for the ring for the Super Bowl. really, if they took out on this Niners team. So this team, this team much like the Texans is, has a future and we're going to be talking about them a lot.
1: Yeah. And you know, kind of what's funny is it's going to transition well into the next game we're talking about, but I feel like if, uh, if the packers had won this game i feel like whatever team that is they're going to be playing against so it's going to end up being the the lions if the lions had a third home game that would have massively helped them in their quest to get to the super bowl right like yeah it's now i'll transition into the the buccaneers versus lions game that that was a game determined by home field advantage and i will die on that hill i mean oh my god that stadium was rocking those lions fans I've been yeah. so depressed for 30 years. So to finally see this out of your team, I mean, they've just, I've never seen a stadium quite like that. It was insane. I mean, like just even going out there with the game on the line, the, the Buccaneers couldn't get it done because that steam was so loud. And those players on the lines were feeding off that energy. You saw them showboating. Jared Goff was like smiling as he was throwing passes. I mean, it was just the coolest thing. And so it's unfortunate. We're not going to get to see that again because, I think that would have really, really helped the Lions if they had gotten one more home field game.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. And when watching this game today, the thing that stood out to me is just the power of the Lions offense. I mean, it really is a very good offense. This Buccaneers defense is no joke. I mean, they've first-team all-pro Antoine Winfield and Devin White and Vita Vey. Like, this is a very solid defense. They always have a solid defense. And they just had no answers for the Lions offense. I mean, damn. Looking back, Jameer Gibbs was such a good draft and Laporta, like, and I'm on Ross, Ross St. Brown is mm-hmm. such a talent and his hands are amazing. He's, he's so strong. He always gets a first down. I am really impressed by this Lions offense and Jared Goff. He's just been so composed and, like, the, he really silenced all the doubters, Jared, Jared Goff. And I'm happy for him. And I'm serious. I think that this Lions offense showed that they can match up with the Niners. I mean, the Niners just kind of gave up a lot to the Packers, a lot of big plays. And this line's offense is much better than the Packers offense. I think that if Jared Goffs, if he's on his game, they can they can really get a 49ers run for their money.
1: Yeah, and I, I'm going to talk more about, especially the the Buccaneers after this. But a big thing for me was uh, the amount of sacks that the Lions let up. Do you, Is anyone familiar with how many sacks the Buccaneers had today? They had two. Two sacks yeah. on the whole day. And they're the most blitz heavy team in the league. Yeah. Bowls only blitzes. They, they, I mean, they blitz and blitz and that's great. And that's how they make their money. But when you have a game where you only have two sacks, they just kept getting burnt in by the run game because they have the double headed monsters on the lines of Montgomery and Gibbs. So they're just constantly able to rotate those two in and out changing pace with one another because Montgomery is more just, you know, shoulders head down, go break through the line while Gibbs is gonna bounce it outside, take it down the field on you. And then meanwhile, the Buccaneers are just constantly trying to adjust to the Lions, is what I saw. It wasn't the Lions adjusting to the Buccaneers defense. It was the Buccaneers defense constantly being forced to adjust to that lions offense. That was that was a great game by the Lions offense, really. Their yeah, defense, yeah, it was. Yeah, their defense was fine. I mean, they still let up twenty-three points and you know they they got the lucky pick at the end. But like really that was that was an offensively won game by the Lions.
0: Yeah, I don't think the Lions defense is anything special. I think it's kind of middle of the pack. It has some talent, but but nothing like the Ravens or the Niners. It's really their offense that's that good. And it comes with that offensive line. And that's why I thought the Frank Ragnar injury is interesting. He, hopefully he's going to be back for the game. I know he was like in and out of the game and wincing on the sideline, but seems like he's going to play because that O-line is so talented, which then sparks the run game for, for Monty and Jameer Gibbs, which is so awesome. And then I want to talk about the Bucks because this seems interesting to me because, yes, it's a big run. And at the beginning of the season, they were in the Caleb sweepstakes. Like People thought coming into this year, oh, it's a quarterback battle between Baker Mayfield and Kyle Allen. Like This team is going to win three games. Maybe they can draft Caleb and they can restart this whole thing. And then all of a sudden they go on this big run, which is really impressive. And Baker showed that he's way more capable than people thought he was. But this team is old, too. It's not like this is not like a Texans or a Packers conversation. It's like this team made a run, but half their team is free agents after this offseason. And, and their team is pretty old compared to the rest of the league. It's like, where do you see the Bucks going after this?
1: Yeah, I my issue with them is they're going to have to pay Baker Mayfield now. He was on an extremely discounted one year prove it deal this year, and he proved it. That's awesome. Yeah, a risk for these teams by giving a guy a prove it deal, a one year deal is that they're going to have to pay him next year? He's probably going to end up as one of the higher-paid QBs in the league, which means on a team where you have 14 free agents this upcoming season, you're going to be tough. You're going to be strapped for cash. Their GM is going to have to do a lot of managing. He's probably going to have to restructure guys' contracts. You know, the players, if they want to stay good, are probably going to have to like be fine with restructuring or you know even discounting their contracts. It's going to be it's going to be kind of a mess for the Buccaneers this offseason. And, you know, if their GM is able to manage his way through it, then good job on his part, but it's going to be really tough.
0: Yeah, and that's exactly what I'm talking about. They're kind of in an interesting spot. It's like, listen to these free agents. Levante David, Mike Evans, um, Baker Mayfield, Chase McLaughlin, Ryan Neal, Antoine Winfield, Devin White. Like, Probably half their starting lineup is all free agents.
1: Yeah, they I really don't know what you do. Yeah, so you know, the these two teams are in very different places. The Lions just seem like they are everything's going their way and they're going to be building something for the future. And the Buccaneers are in a lot of limbo, but totally, I'm really happy for Baker Mayfield himself, not not the Bucks as a whole. I'm really happy for Baker Mayfield as an as like as a guy. Awesome for him that he was able to get this win or able to have this season and like a personal victory.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I really wish that Baker could have won this game too. I was kind of riding the Baker train. But at the same time, you can't feel too bad because at this point, it's like they're playing with house money. You know, they've already exceeded expectations by so much. Whether they win or lose, it's hard to feel like they were ever a disappointment because they've already been so much better than everyone thought. So I'm actually really happy for them. But, but I mean, even getting this far was awesome.
1: Yeah. All right. Shall we move on to the final game of the week the Chiefs versus Bills? What just dropped up about an hour from the recording of this. What were your initial thoughts on that game?
0: You know, what an awesome rivalry that this this matchup is, and I'm so happy that we're living through this because Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen are both exceptional quarterbacks. The first thing I'll say is that I just feel bad for Josh Allen. I mean, this game has always gone the Chiefs' way, and there was a lot of mistakes on both sides. Neither team had a good game, I would really say, but it came down to a point where Josh brought the team where they could tie the game up, and Tyler Bass missed it, and there's nothing Josh Allen could have done at that point. And I I feel bad for him because he did his part. And, you know, it's a team sport, but the kicker let him down. And this was their time to win, I feel like. And uh, they couldn't couldn't get it done. And the one thing I will say that I – why the reason I was pretty high on the Bills this year is because for once in the last – for once in the Josh Allen era, they had a run game. They actually had a successful run game. I mean James Cook finally came to his own and their offensive line was looking good and they could run the ball like pretty good every single game and in the past they were so pass heavy it was kind of so predictable that that was kind of their biggest flaw and even with this big run game they couldn't get it couldn't get it done against a pretty mediocre Chiefs team in comparison to other years so I think it was a disappointing game for the Bills that's what I'll say
1: yeah and if I'm the Chiefs right now <clears throat> I'd be really, really scared for next week's game against the Ravens because the Ravens have the most prolific run offense in the entire NFL. They're averaging more yards per game and more rush touchdowns per game than any other team. And the Kansas City Chiefs just got ran over. I mean, the trenches, especially on the defensive trenches for the Chiefs, they got ran through. I mean, you cannot let James Cook put up 61 yards on you. Ty Johnson put up 40 yards. And then Josh Allen put up 72 himself. I mean, they just ran and ran and ran. That was not a passing game by the Bills at all. I mean, that was just ground and pound. And the Chiefs are now going to gonna have to go play the Ravens. Like, you're going to have to stop Lamar Jackson. You're going to have to stop Gus Edwards. I mean, good God, you're they're in some serious, serious trouble if that's how their run defense plays because that can get messy really fast.
0: Yeah, I mean, Lamar had 100 yards and two touchdowns last game. If we see another matchup like that, it's, it's going to be a very tough game for the Chiefs. And the one thing, the other point I have is that I'm really impressed by Josh Allen's discipline throughout these whole playoffs. The biggest flaw of Josh Allen, it's for sure not talent. He has more talent than anybody ever. It's that he's not that disciplined and he plays hero ball occasionally where he tries to do everything himself and then he makes bad reads and he throws bad balls that are that lead to a lot of interceptions. He, he's prone to a lot of interceptions. But all, I mean, the last two playoff games, he's been really disciplined and only making good decisions. And this game, a huge matchup where you need those big plays. He had zero interceptions. Uh, You know, I think Josh Allen is maturing a lot and he he played really well this game, even with the loss.
1: Yeah, but to, to the, you know, the point of, to like counterpoint of that is that, you know, those deep balls, those like kind of risky throws that Josh Allen makes, a lot of times like, you know, are the ones that win the bills, the games. And it, just look at the fourth quarter in a, in a nutshell there. They had two times they got down to the red zone, or at least down in Chiefs territory. And Josh Allen just wasn't able to convert. He was, you know, short arming throws because he didn't want to try to fit them into two title windows. And especially on that final drive, when they ended up having to settle for the field goal that ended up missing. I mean, Josh Allen took two shots to the end zone but he just kind of played them conservatively. Like he threw one out of bounds and they just kind of tried to like put, lay one up for receiver, which, you know, didn't get to him. Like uh, kind of, he needs to know when to like be aggressive, like your season's on the line here. Like go, go score. Like that was not the time to do the mature thing and try to avoid it in, especially in windy conditions. And you're gonna have to go trust your young kicker with a 45 plus yard field goal. That, that, that's tough. That's not the time, I think, to be conservative.
0: Yeah, I mean, I agree what you're saying, and I I agree that maybe that should be the case the first three quarters and half of the half of the fourth quarter. But when you're only down three and you're already in field goal range, that's where I feel like you are conservative and you don't go for the mistake because if you throw a pick, the game's over. But if you if you're kind of conservative and you make a mistake, bam, it's it's a tie game. And I feel like Josh did the right thing, but they ended up missing the field goal anyway. So it's hard to. Yeah. So it's easy to like hate on Josh Allen right now, but it's I think he really he made oh, the move no, I, that I, every not, coach yeah would say not, every coach would say like be conservative here, we're going to hit the field goal, we're going to take him to OT. And it ended up not being the case, but I do think uh being conservative was the right thing to do at the end.
1: No, yeah, I'm just saying that like this was a time when like the old Josh Allen maybe in retrospect would have been like necessary. I'm not at all hating on Josh Allen. I th- I think he played a great game, kept it clean, but just you know, he didn't he didn't make the big plays that he normally makes to, to your point of the defense didn't get to make any big plays. Also, Josh Allen didn't didn't really make anything special. He had only one touchdown pass. It was a great pass, but he, he still had 40 attempts and had less pass yards than Mahomes, who only had 23. Like that's yeah, that's tough.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I agree with everything you gotta say. And it's the playoffs, so you do gotta win. But sometimes Josh Allen is prone to winning games, but he's also prone to yeah. losing games. So who knows if the happy medium is the good thing or the bad thing, but that's just what I noticed that he was more disciplined, especially this playoff run.
1: Yeah. All right. Shall we do with that? Actually, one more
0: one more question oh, actually. Oh, how do you how do you feel about how about Diggs? I mean, the entire season has been pretty disappointing. I mean, he had like an eight week stretch where he never hit hundred yards, and then in a huge playoff matchup. With like the biggest rivalry in the NFL right now, he puts up twenty yards.
1: Yeah, I that one I don't really. I wish I had a better answer to that. I just really don't. I mean, and it's it was especially. I mean, yeah, just the second half of the season wasn't great for him. And I guess once they made the switch in O coordinators, I mean, the Bills' offense as a whole did a lot better because they stuck a lot more to the ground and they they've started spreading the ball around like Shakur who's kind of come out of nowhere. He's yeah. ended up being great for them this season. But I just think, you know, new O coordinator for the second half of the season was great for the team. But, you know, it just kind of put into perspective that, like, you know, they they can do fine without just, like, basically being entirely reliant on Diggs for the receiving.
0: Yeah, yeah. I'm not that worried about Diggs. I still think he's amazing. I think it's, it's more about... Um, the new guys that are here. You know, it's not just Diggs anymore. I mean, you have Kincaid, you have Khalil Shakir, and James Cook, who's a great receiving back. I think it's less about Diggs falling off. Yes, he's getting old, but it's more about the awakening of of more talent. And Gabe Davis has kind of just been phased out. Yeah. He, he He's really...
1: Well, he's been MII. He, he's he been hurt. Yeah. And- yeah,
0: I mean, he's been hurt. But yeah, I'm talking about like even this, this season, it seems like he's kind of um, not not excelling, I'd say.
1: Yeah, no. All right, shall we look ahead to the, the next week's games?
0: Yeah, yeah, let's do it.
1: All right, who do you have for Chiefs versus Ravens in Baltimore?
0: I think this is the Ravens' time. They make a Super Bowl run. I'm going to take the Ravens. You know, we talked about a lot of the points earlier. The Chiefs' defense is, is pretty good, especially the secondary. Their cornerbacks are pretty locked down. But the the rush defense, is it, it's, it's got beat up a lot. And this Ravens' rush offense is... Very, very good. I mean, you had probably the best running quarterback ever. And you have uh, a pretty solid O-line and Gus Edwards, who's, I think, a very underrated running back. And all of a sudden, that's progress. to recipe for a great run game. And the way Lamar's playing, too. I mean, I'm excited to see Mark Andrews back as well. He's expected to play. I think it's really going to come down to can the Chiefs defense hold the Ravens because you, look, Mahomes is always going to be Mahomes. He's going to make plays the Chiefs offense is nothing special but you know i think the ravens are just just too much for the chiefs really
1: yeah and one other thing i want to point out about this game is that the ravens have a much better defense than the bills and mm-hmm. i think this ravens defense is they're more hungry for it i'd say especially baltimore is going to be like an electric atmosphere especially for i mean this is like you're taking the two best quarterbacks of like our era right now you're taking lamar jackson versus patrick mahomes it's going to be yeah an awesome game. And so I I just think that the Ravens strong run run offense mixed with the chiefs poor run defense. And then on the flip side, a stronger Ravens defense than what the bills put out tonight. I I think that it it is going to be a bills victory, but at that same time, it's really hard to count Patrick Mahomes out. So I, I would not be surprised if he pulls something out of his butt and they end up winning this game.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's every time I talk to someone about, Whoever's playing the Chiefs in the playoffs, it's like it's it's impossible to say because Mahomes, he really is that guy. And in the playoffs, he's good always. In the playoffs, he's just different. He just doesn't lose. He really just does not lose. So the spread is three and a half, and you might be like, oh, that's pretty, pretty small. But I think that's a good a good spread because I think there's no way that the Chiefs get blown out in this conversation. But I do think the Ravens take this home because this Ravens team is for sure the most talent in the nfl right now i think
1: yeah and maybe the niners too but i know with that i was going to say like let's go over to the niners versus the lions uh i would love to pick the upset and i would and personally i will be rooting for the lions in this game because i would really love to see detroit in the super bowl but at the same time i have to keep it honest with myself and say that i think the 49ers are going to win this game i think they're just the stronger team i think mccaffrey and you know They didn't have Debo this last week, and they still were able to win. I, I think that they will end up being fine, and I think that Purdy will bounce back. I think the team as a whole will be able to come together, and I think that they're going to win this game, especially because it's in Santa Clara, so the Niners are going to have that home field advantage that they do really well with. Mm-hmm. So as much as I wouldn't like to do it, I will be taking the 49ers in this game.
0: Yeah, look, I'm going to take the Lions. Actually, <coughs> sorry guys. I really do think the Lions are have a real fighting chance at taking down this Niners team. And just watching that Packers game is really what I'm basing this off. This Packers offense, which is very well coached, but has good rookies, but it's not super talented. Had wide open plays all over the Niners defense and was making the Niners defense look mediocre. And then you see the Lions offense, which is one of the better offenses we've seen in the last few years. It's very good. If this Lions offense can play like it has been playing, it can take advantage of this Niners defense that is talented, but they've given up big plays the last few weeks. And I, and then it comes to the other side of the ball, which is Brock Purdy, who was an MVP candidate, but suddenly isn't playing that great. He he was inaccurate this last game, and he was missing targets, and he was really close to throwing a lot of picks. So I think it comes down to this Lions offense, where they can play well, and then Brock Purdy, who is not playing that great. And then Debo Samuel, who's in a limbo right now, questionable to return. Yes, Niners team is amazing, but I really do think that Brock not playing that well has made the Niners offense, not as insane as it should be. And the, and the Lions offense is playing insane. I I think the Lions have a real fighting chance and that's what I'm going to take this matchup.
1: Yeah. And that's awesome. I I would be so happy if the Lions won this game. I just, in good conscious, can't see the 49ers not winning it. But I really want to. You know, you yeah, You get what I'm saying, right?
0: Yeah, I get what you're saying. But I do see the other side. I mean, the Lions defense is fair. And the Niners offense on paper is very, very good. So a pretty good game from Brock. And the Niners can run away with this. I'm pretty much just banking on Brock rattled, even at home and not playing that good and the Lions offense taking over.
1: Well, yeah, but- I and mean, we've seen it happen before. So it's not out of the question.
0: Yeah, yeah. So let's let's go to this last question I proposed. The Bears first overall pick from Carolina. What should they do with the first pick?
1: Well, all right. Let let's just lay it out here that they have three options, right? Mm-hmm. All right. Option one is to trade Fields and draft Caleb. Fine mm-hmm. option. Option two is to trade the pick and get assets and build around fields. Yeah, drop to like option, seven or something. Yeah, option going, three yeah. is just stick with the pick and take Marvin Harrison Jr. Our arena green, so those are kind of like the three options they got.
0: I would imagine those are the three options. I agree. Yes.
1: I think if, I, if I'm if i the Bears, I'm taking Marvin Harrison Jr. I, I think that is just the best thing that you can do is get him in a blue chip elite receiver to put alongside DJ Moore in that offense. And then they're going to be... Great. I mean, you're gonna have Darnell Mooney as a wide receiver three, who two years ago was your wide receiver one. Then your wide receiver one and twos are two of the best probably in the NFL at that point. Yeah. Uh, Their offensive line has been greatly improving lately. I, I think that that's the obvious choice to go with here. Is you know you've been developing Fields really well. Stick with him. He he got you seven wins this year. That that's not bad. So stick with him after I. Yeah, I think Marvin Harrison is the clear choice here.
0: I say you take Caleb Williams, 100%. I think there's multiple reasons. <laughs> First reason is that Caleb is, We can I think we can both agree, Caleb is one of the best prospects we've seen in the last decade. I really do think he is that quarterback. He's not someone that you can just wait on and get next year. He's, it's not like that. He is a Trevor Lawrence type of prospect, a Joe Burrow, maybe even better than those two. I really do think he's a special prospect. It's the first thing I'll say. And also, I do think that Fields is excelling and he's getting better and he's developing pretty well. I just think that it's too late. Like they're going to have to pay Fields. Okay, if they don't draft Caleb, you know they're going to have to pay Fields. That's that's the way it's going to work. And to usually building a good Super Bowl team is you want that quarterback on a rookie contract, you know, you want to get the quarterback on rookie contract, and then three or four years into the rookie contracts, kind of when you want to make your push, but the Bears aren't there yet. They're just kind of starting to develop, just kind of starting to get over the hump, and then you already need to pay Justin. It's like I don't even—I'm not even going to sit sit here and talk trash on Justin. Like, oh, he's not good enough. I really just think the timeline is a little messed up for Justin. It's that he's too far on, and the team isn't there yet, and they're going to have to pay Justin, and all of a sudden they're already paying the quarterback, and their team isn't good enough yet to make a run, and then. You Drive Caleb, you restart the timeline. You get Caleb, who is already better than Justin, I think. Even though Justin's great, I mean Caleb is is that guy, I really do think. And you have him for a five-year period where you don't have to pay him because the rest of your team is developing, and you can have the actual rookie and pay everybody else. I think that Justin's good. Just the timeline's a little messed up. You need to take Caleb.
1: And I, I like what you're saying about Caleb being, you know, a, a great prospect, obviously. But my my only issue is like I, I've seen this I've seen this playoff before. Like I I've the grass is not always greener on the other side. And so and you're you're the Bears. You've finally got a franchise quarterback. I mean, this is a franchise that has literally never had a 4000 yard passer. And now you finally have a good enough QB. This is a franchise that has just been poverty and poverty. And multiple times now they've taken the guy who's like you know, the big generational prospect. I mean, you traded up to take Trubisky number two.
0: Yeah, but that's nothing like Caleb, I don't think.
1: That's the thing Though, was, it it was at the time. At the time, everyone thought that them taking Trubisky was what was going to reset this franchise. And I mean, it's just really hard to get behind moving on from a guy that you finally developed. And So what, you have to pay him in two years. He's not going to be one of the most, you know, he's not going to be a top paid quarterback in the league, so you're still going to be fine. But then if you're locked in with the best wide receiver potentially of all time, like we're talking about Caleb Williams being this greatest prospect of all time, Marvin Harrison Jr. is largely considered arguably like the greatest wide receiver prospect of all time. And that yeah, is... they both are. That would be phenomenal to have on your team. F- f- screw it. Even if uh, Fields doesn't work out, draft draft another QB. That's fine. You You have a generational wide receiver on your team. And I think Fields is that guy nonetheless, so I don't think they're going to have to draft another QB. I, I think that Marvin Harrison Jr. is the right. I mean, look at the look at the NFC this year. The 9-win Packers were able to make the playoffs. The 7-win Bears missed it. Flip two games around next year. That's all you got to do. You got to flip it to a nine 9-win team. I think drafting Marvin Harrison Jr. makes you a 9-win team, if not a 10-win team. Especially with all the cap room they have to be able to improve their D and their offensive line. If I'm the Bears, I'm not looking around trying to be like, oh, that, that that guy looks better. Yeah, let's take Caleb. No, take the generational wide receiver. Stick with the guy you've developed into being a great quarterback. And God, your franchise has been so yeah. bad for so long. Go make the freaking playoffs. That's yeah. what you should be doing. Not trying to look at the shiny thing over there. No, no, well, commit okay. right now. Here's my
0: question for you, Cole.
1: Is good enough, good enough. Because
0: in the NFL, in today's NFL, mediocrity at quarterback just doesn't get the job done.
1: Literally, if, if we you're were a quarterback about Brock Purdy, we were just talking about Brock Purdy.
0: Yeah, okay, but okay, yes. I guess if you're if, if you have the 49ers... okay. Also, we're not even sure if he's gonna get the job done. I really don't think he's gonna, but then all on the other side of that, then if you have the Niners, it's exceptional team yeah, around and, that, and maybe and that's so why
1: you, that's why you draft Marvin Harrison Jr. I, you build I that whole team around you.
0: I, I'm just saying that, like, I, I, I honestly don't think Brock's going to win a Super Bowl. I'll tell you that right now, and we can have this conversation after. But I, I, I'm going to tell you, I'm a believer that if, if your quarterback, if you don't feel like your quarterback gives, puts you in a position to win a Super Bowl, then you got to keep, keep swiping the cards, in Uno. you got to keep, you got to keep drafting because mediocrity at quarterback is just a, is just like an empty pit that gets you nowhere, it gets you a bunch of eight win teams, it gets you the Vikings every year. You know what I mean? If you're, if you don't have a quarterback that can push you over the hump then it's not worth keeping him at, at any point.
1: I really think. I think you're wrong then. I think that Fields is that kind of quarterback. You think, you I mean, think he's think He set the record for most rush yards in a season by a quarterback. We're saying the same thing about <laughs> okay, Lamar yeah. being so great. He's just but been Lamar's on a terrible ter- – let me finish. Let me finish. He's just been on a terrible team. We see all the time where great quarterbacks are stuck on terrible teams. They leave and then they go be great. And I think if you just build your team around the quarterback, Fields is a very good quarterback. He had a huge step up this season. He's probably, if like I'd say him and Lamar are neck and neck for best running QB in the NFL because Justin has has the record for most rush yards in a season by a QB. He's a great quarterback. And everyone is just taking it out on him because he's stuck on a crap team. No, build around him. You've got a great quarterback, actually. Don't don't try to go for Caleb. I'm not even fully sold on Caleb either. I think oh. just even looking at his team this year at USC, look, that's what happens when you take a great quarterback, put him on a bad team. They they had nothing on defense, and so Caleb couldn't win. That's just been like Jay Fields over in Chicago. You're just gonna repeat the same process, miss out on Marvin Harrison Jr., who's then they're gonna tear up your team for the next 15 years when he's playing for I don't know, whoever ends up drafting him. Take the better player here. Take Marvin Harrison; he's the better prospect between the two, especially when you already have a young QB. That that's just what I would do if I'm their GM.
0: And it's I'm, I'm going to agree with you a little bit. I mean, I think I'm actually a fan of Fields too. I I, I like Fields. I honestly think that the Bears they failed him a little bit. You know, until this year, they refused to get him any receivers. They refused to get him any help. This was the first hint we've had of Fields with a competent offense. Uh, I agree but i just think it's too late in the, in the prospect and like if they're going for a real super bowl run like to have fields where he is right now where the rest of the team is it's like the, he's too late on it's like he's going into his third fourth year or what is
1: it yeah it's fourth year
0: it's like they're going into his fourth year and they're just getting seven wins like i i think that i will agree that fields is is i don't think he's super bowl caliber i think he's pretty talented i just think the timeline is messed up they screwed fields and now their only hope to keep building this roster is to get a cheap quarterback. I understand Fields is not the best in the league, but if they don't pay Caleb, that in Fields ahead, he is that guy. You know what I mean? He's going to get a lot of money. If they, if they miss out on Caleb Fields, it's going to get a bag. Trust me. It's just the way it is. And I just don't think he's good enough to, to, to win a Super Bowl. And maybe he would be if this was a Niners kind of team, but the, they, they failed him. Like the, the way they built around him was not, was not good. You know, they got Chase Claypool. Oh, you're all set. You know what I mean? They finally have like this is how it should have been in the end of Fields' rookie year or going into his second year, but it's too far gone for them to just be at this point. That's what I think.
1: All right, let let me propose to you this scenario. All right, so uh, Chicago sitting there with the number one pick, they end up taking Caleb Williams number one, right? Number two is going to be the Commanders. So the Commanders are going to select Marvin Harrison Jr. Probably no,
0: they're going to take Drake May. For sure. No,
1: they're not going to trade. Okay. Okay. One, it's,
0: one real quick point. Do you think if there's any chance that if, if, if the bears traded down to three, they could still get Maserati? Cause I think that's a possibility and that'd be insane.
1: Yeah. That'd be, and that'd they could get cool. a whole,
0: they could get like a first round pick and they could go down to three and they could still get their guy. That's why I think is interesting. If you don't take Caleb, but go what ahead. I'd like
1: to point. see them do is the, yeah. the classic, like say, put it out on the market and say, Hey, our, our number one pick is available. Call us up. That's going to force Washington, even though they're sitting at number two, because Washington knows whoever trades up to number one is going to be taking Caleb. That could force Washington to have to trade up to number one. And then in that case, the Bears can just flip down to two, right? Get that pick. Take Maserati with that pick. And now you've probably gained some assets later in the draft to help build around J- Justin Fields. That would actually, I think, work out really well with them is kind of bait uh beat the commanders into trading up for that pick i mean we've seen it before like the niners traded up one spot to get uh trey lance it's just just what teams do oh yeah the bears did it themselves a couple years ago when they traded up one spot to take trubisky teams just trade up one spot because they're worried about another team trading to that spot i could totally see them pulled out on the commanders
0: yeah I, i guess does Cj Stroud and how insanely talented he's been this year and how he took a three-win team now to a playoff run not inspire you a little bit about the caleb sweepstakes
1: but I'm i'm not sold on caleb that that much I'm just i i gotta see more Jake. I want i want to see him through the draft process i want to i want to see him you know go through all this and then and then we can decide if he's really going to be all that but just on, on tape i wasn't I, I thought he was great at usc but I don't think he was as generational as everyone's making him out to be. I, I was far more impressed by Marvin Harrison Jr. Just personally. I think if you're going purely best player available, I think it's Marvin.
0: Yeah, yeah. But receivers are really important, but quarterbacks still have the edge in positional value for sure.
1: Yeah, I, I, and I so think, that's, that's what the debate's going to end up being.
0: I mean, yeah, I mean, it's it's a debate. So, I mean, there's no no real side. That's why it's interesting to talk about. But I just think it, it's it's like you, you want – Justin Fields showed a lot of sparks this year. I really do agree. It's like you want your quarterback to be showing sparks in his second year. You know, rookie year is hard for a lot of quarterbacks. Second year is where you want your quarterback to kill it. You know, he's going into his fourth year. At the end of his third year is when he finally showed sparks. It's like, I I get the team was bad around him, and I'll agree on that. But I just feel like timeline
1: his second year is when he showed sparks when he set the record for most. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. That, that's, that's true.
0: But sparks. I, I guess he didn't show sparks from the, like in the well, past. We'll also forget, so. like
1: remember he missed four games this season and they only missed the playoffs by two games. So yeah, who knows? Maybe that, maybe that could have been the difference.
0: Yeah. I, I just think that Caleb, I mean, Justin is just, it, they're going to make the playoffs probably next year. I bet. Even if they have Justin, I just don't think that he'll be enough to, to make him go to a Super Bowl. I think you, you, need a better talented quarterback but, but it, we'll I, see what happens
1: yeah and i could totally see caleb if he ended up going to the commanders i could see him just going there and kind of wasting away team doesn't build around him they go you know probably four and four and 12 or four and 13 actually got of the 17th game you have four and 13 and then maybe try to build up a little like when trevor lawrence went to the jaguars everyone went oh my god this is the greatest thing ever and then urban meyer was the coach there we go like, yeah just because just because you're a generational quarterback doesn't mean squat and so if I'm the Bears I'm sticking with what I know what with what I've got instead of trying to chase the greener fields it's not always a guarantee that's just that's not the reality of football
0: uh, yeah I agree it's not always a guarantee but those teams that win Super Bowls take risks
1: unlike the 49ers they have Brock Purdy and they're yeah. now in the NFC championship game and we'll see. This will be great and for our they, debate.
0: I mean keep, honestly they don't win. A, they always kind of choke. So we'll see. Yeah. Okay.
1: We this is th- that will be yeah. great for our debate to see how that yeah, goes. Yeah,
0: cuz I don't I don't think that it's going to be them.
1: All right. Well, with that, uh do you have anything more to say?
0: No. Th- this is a really fun one. It was kind of more of an That's open-ended good. podcast and um hopefully you guys listen the whole way and we're going to be keep pumping out content and you know, hit us up if you want to join the pod and do a, be a guest on our episode because that'd be awesome. We'd love to have some guests.
1: Yeah. All so right. we're signing out. See ya.
0: See ya.